A very brief word before we start the show, we have a survey in the show notes. It'll take you a couple minutes to fill out, and it will help us find the stories that are most relevant to you. And I also want to tell you about a podcast that's really relevant to you. It's called As She Rises. We're constantly grappling on this show about how to talk about climate change. Sometimes it feels untouchable. Other times we're so close to it, it feels exhausting. From Wonder Media Network comes season two of As She Rises. It's a podcast centered on native voices and women of color that personalizes the elusive magnitude of climate change. It's hosted by Grace Lynch. And As She Rises combines poetry and storytelling to offer an intimate look at the climate crisis. Each week, you'll hear from poets and experts local to one place in the U.S. and territories, from the Florida wetlands to the coral reefs of American Samoa to the Pueblo Nation— You'll learn how climate change is affecting hometowns and what communities are doing to address it. Listen and follow As She Rises wherever you get your podcasts. From the studios of Postscript Media and Canary Media. Eric Westhoff is an energy journalist. I worked with him for five years. He was my editor at one point. And one thing he was particularly good at was sleuthing around clean tech companies, companies that were making big claims about changing the market, touting some groundbreaking new technology, or building a first-of-a-kind factory. As I recall, you actually sent someone to go peek over a hill and get a glimpse of the Tesla Gigafactory in Nevada, the first Gigafactory, and it turned out to be the actual Gigafactory. Some of the earliest photos... That was a scoop. So yes, parking lot journalism is extremely effective. Get a, get off your couch and go visit the company you're reporting on, for sure. <laughs> Eric's now the editorial director at Canary Media. And a couple weeks ago, he found himself in yet another parking lot. This time it was in San Jose, California, at a company called Oxen Solar, this small American solar panel maker. You actually went to their headquarters and you poked around a little bit. What did you see there? They're 30 miles down the road, so I I took a a drive to downtown um, San Jose, and I I visited their factory, and and I went there on a couple of separate days, and saw anywhere between 10 and 20 cars in the parking lot. So we're talking about a factory with 10 or 20 or 30 people in it, wooden pallets just aging and strewn behind the building. It's It's not a busy place. That factory has the capability to pump out 150 megawatts of solar panels a year. That's 100 times less than the biggest solar manufacturers. So Oxen Solar, it's not exactly a market mover. That is, until earlier this year, when it petitioned the government to penalize Chinese solar companies. Our trade policy allows a small, relatively inconsequential company to make a claim with the Department of Commerce. And in this case, Oxen is claiming that China's dodging US-imposed duties and flooding the U.S. market with cheap, below-market modules. Oxen's request ties back to a previous trade case a decade ago, when a small solar producer called Solar World got the Obama administration to issue tariffs on imported Chinese solar products. Solar World argued that China's manufacturers were dumping panels below cost in order to put North American companies out of business. And they won that case. The Commerce Department slapped pretty hefty tariffs on Chinese panels. And now, Oxen claims those producers are skirting tariffs by funneling products through other Asian countries. And it wants the government to step in again. In a world where Chinese manufacturers are at gigawatt and 10 gigawatt and 50 gigawatt capacities, Oxen Solar is relatively inconsequential on the 
the world stage, and yet they're still able to essentially freeze the $10 billion U.S. solar industry. Cheap Chinese panels, they're bad for a small solar maker like Oxen, but they're really good for solar developers who depend on that low-cost equipment for their gigantic solar farms. And now those developers are seeing a freeze in shipments of solar panels thanks to the threat of new tariffs. Just the threat of this investigation, just the fact that Commerce accepted the petition to do the investigation has thrown an enormous monkey wrench into the 20 gigawatt a year solar industry. It's hard to articulate just how major a problem this is for the solar industry. This is The Carbon Copy. I'm Stephen Lacey. On the show this week, a solar trade war that has spanned three presidents is brewing again. It's already causing problems for the domestic solar market that relies heavily on panels from overseas. And it's creating yet another headache for the Biden White House, which just can't catch a break on its climate agenda. We'll look at the consequences. The entire solar industry rests, both literally and figuratively, on a vulnerable material. That material is aluminum. It is one of the most carbon-intensive metals, with the bulk of its supply originating in China. But what if module frames made from domestic recycled steel replaced it? On May 30th, Latitude Media and Origami Solar will host a frontier forum that explores what would happen if the U.S. solar industry shifted from aluminum to recycled steel. We'll explore the impact on supply chains, costs, technical performance, and carbon emissions. This is a must-attend for anyone who cares about the domestic solar industry. Register for free by clicking the link in the show notes or go to latitudemedia.com slash events. Tariffs again, Eric? Yeah. Uh, It's like deja vu all over again. Yes, Stephen, hi. We are talking about tariffs again um, about 11 years after I first started reporting on tariffs in the solar world. It's the story that never goes away. So the virtue of having someone who's been around doing this for a while is that I do have a bit of a historical context on it, and solar tariffs are not new. The story begins at the turn of the last decade. The economy was in the dumps after the financial crisis. Obama had passed his stimulus bill in 2009, and that package included $90 billion in spending on clean energy, including to tax credits and loans for domestic solar, wind, electric car, and battery manufacturers. I'm not going to give up on the new to cede our position to China or Germany or all the other competitors out there who are making massive investments in clean energy. But China was thinking the exact same thing. It also wanted to dominate those technologies. And the Chinese government put way more money than Obama could into building out clean energy mega factories. More production volume means lower costs. And this is around the time we start to see cliff-like drops in solar panel costs. And as a result, hockey stick-like growth and installation of those panels. Now that's good for the people installing those panels, but with this explosion of Chinese solar products, American and European companies just couldn't compete. And they started to go out of business or sell off their assets. 
Touring a solar panel manufacturing plant in Colorado, U.S. Energy Secretary Stephen Chu acknowledges U.S. solar manufacturers are facing stiff competition from Chinese companies. Chu is under pressure following the bankruptcy of solar manufacturer Solyndra, which collapsed despite receiving more than $500 million of government cash. The Solyndra saga. This was an incredibly stupid piece of political theater. Republicans wouldn't stop talking about the failure of a solar company that got government funding. They thought it would hurt Obama's election chances and turn Americans against his clean energy agenda. It did neither of those things. But a wave of bankruptcies certainly put the administration on the defensive. And in 2012, after a petition from a German company with operations in the U.S., that was Solar World, Obama's trade regulators slapped tariffs on imported Chinese solar products. And those tariffs have been a feature of solar politics ever since. Well, you could soon pay more if you are shopping for a new washing machine or solar panels for your home. President Trump today imposed new tariffs on importing those products as part of his pledge to put American uh, jobs first. We've seen them enacted during the Obama administration. We've seen them during the Trump administration. And we've seen them continued under the Biden administration. Turns out there's one thing that they can all agree on is uh, protectionism. So 10 years of penalizing China has been great for solar manufacturing, right? Not exactly. America makes up 2% of global solar module production. Three quarters of the panels installed here come from Asia. But the story of solar is still a wildly positive one, precisely because those less expensive imported panels have allowed us to install colossal numbers of new solar power plants and rooftop systems. Solar in the United States has gone from a niche market to being the largest source of new generation capacity in the country. It's gone from a couple of hundred million dollars a year to being a 10 or $12 billion a year market that employs 200,000 people. That's four times as many as is employed by the coal industry. But it is not a manufacturing business in the United States. It is an installation business. The employees, the revenue is generated by folks developing enormous solar fields. And the growth that we've had in solar has been spectacular over the last decade. And it's being slowed down and thwarted by trade measures like these tariffs. In fact, the United States has the highest cost solar modules in the world because we are taxing ourselves with tariffs. But politicians don't see it that way. There is a steady drumbeat of support for domestic manufacturing. Why have tariffs dominated the political landscape in solar for the last decade? Well, as ineffective as tariffs have been over the last decade, no, they've been ineffective in the sense that there hasn't been a large increase in U.S. solar manufacturing. It's an easy, dogmatic principle to get behind if you're a politician. Of course, we all want more solar manufacturing. Of course, we all want more solar employment. However, I I have to say that the United States is no more suitable to solar manufacturing than it is to iPhone manufacturing. We are a We are not a basic manufacturing country, and it's difficult to imagine us creating a manufacturing hub in solar despite the righteousness and virtue of that happening. The energy transition does not happen in the United States without imports. So solar tariffs have not really worked 
and we have we do not yet have a robust domestic solar manufacturing industry. Uh, in steps Oxen Solar. Why do they think they can change this? So if we take Oxen Solar at face value and that they're simply a, a scrappy little American company, their goal is to get some breathing room and as cliched as it is, is to create a, a level playing field so that they're not forced to compete with state-subsidized solar modules. They're asking for Chinese modules to be sold at a premium so that they can be more competitively priced. I would suggest that they are just an uncompetitive manufacturer looking for any help they can get. It's April, late April. This petition was recently submitted, and we might not hear about the results for months, but it's already having an impact on the solar industry. What's the impact? Just the threat of this investigation, just the fact that Commerce accepted the petition to do the investigation has thrown an enormous monkey wrench into the 20 gigawatt a year solar industry. And I, I, it's hard to articulate just how major a problem this is for the solar industry. Not only is it raising prices for power purchase agreements, not only is it causing paroxysms within the developer world, but it's causing manufacturers to stop shipping to the United States because they're afraid of tariffs and, more importantly, retroactive tariffs. So in other words, everything they're shipping now might be subject to these tariffs. They're not shipping into the United States. And surveys by industry groups, whether it be uh, SEIA or um, American Clean Power, have found that 65% of the projects that are on the books in the United States in 2022 and 23 are threatened. It is eviscerating the market. It's not uh, going to happen when the announcement is made. It's happening today. And so the success story that solar is, that the, the various administrations tout, is being gutted by this, but just the threat of this investigation. We're going to take a very short break here. Afterward, we'll look at why this is not just a short-term problem for project developers. It's yet another threat to Biden's plans to grow the clean energy economy. Mark your calendars for May 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern. That's when Latitude Media and Origami Solar will unveil new research on how recycled steel can help reinvigorate the U.S. solar industry. Why recycled steel? Well, the solar industry is dependent on imported aluminum for frames, leaving it vulnerable to geopolitics, supply disruptions, and higher-cost transportation. By switching from aluminum to recycled steel, solar producers can reduce greenhouse gas emissions and qualify for IRA domestic content incentives. Have questions about the shift to steel and the impact on supply chains? Join Latitude Media's Stephen Lacey, Origami Solar CEO Greg Patterson, and American Clean Power's MJ Shao for this live virtual event. Again, it's May 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Register for free at latitudemedia.com slash events or click the link in the show notes.
The last two years of pandemic disruptions have hit solar as hard as any other industry. Manufacturing closures caused materials and equipment shortages. Everything just got more and more expensive, and workers got harder to find. So the threat of tariffs that will make equipment more expensive and difficult to get, that is not going over well for the U.S. solar industry, where 90% of jobs are tied to building solar projects. An overwhelming majority of the solar industry does not want these tariffs in place. Every decarbonization plan in the United States and elsewhere depends on solar, and here we are gutting the solar industry. And this is putting the Biden administration in a very tough spot. It's thwarting yet another high-profile climate priority from the White House. Joe Manchin derailed Build Back Better. Fossil fuel supply disruptions from Russia's war forced Biden to focus on expanding oil and gas production at a time when he wanted to look beyond it. And now the threat of tariffs is reversing solar's momentum. We've watched various administrations keep these tariffs in place for different reasons. For Obama, it might have been trying to keep a hard line against China. For Trump, in typical or organized crime fashion, it just seemed like a good way of earning money, charging China extra for the modules they were exporting. For Biden, his administration has to take a hard line on China, and, and Biden is also a, a union man, and there's a union aspect to keeping manufacturing going in the United States. And so Biden has to balance that out. But it's empty rhetoric if you're going to cut the industry off at its ankles with a tariff and to then say we're, we're going to have a clean energy future. It's, it's very mixed signals from the Biden administration. In fact, George Hirschman, who is the CEO of Solve and the chairman of SEIA claims that the Biden administration has been worse for the solar industry compared to the Trump administration, that he, he's longing for the good old days of the Trump administration when it comes to solar growth. What pressure could potentially win out, labor or the solar industry? So there are various stock analyst houses, um, for example, Raymond James, they are convinced that the Biden administration is going to dismiss this case simply because it makes absolute no sense to cut off imports that provide 80% of the utility scale solar industry. So there, there are whispers that the Biden administration will simply see common sense and understand that the job engines that so the solar industry is will be killed by these tariffs. Is it time to wave the white flag over this issue? I mean, it's hard to say we're going to give up on domestic production, but the reality is that we are not as closely tied to the intricate supply chains to supply many of the materials that go into solar panels or batteries. We don't have the workforce and the technology capabilities. And of course, we want to support some of that, but we are very removed from what it would take to have a battery manufacturing or solar manufacturing industry at scale. Is it time to just give up and say, we'll take other people's products and we'll deploy them? Well, uh, I, I guess you have to ask Oxen Solar to throw up the white flag. I think the, the writing is already on the wall. A solar supply chain requires an entire hub and workforce cluster. 
And the United States just does not have that anymore. Uh, Just to give you an idea of the scale, the United States has a capacity of about seven gigawatts of solar manufacturing, whereas China has a, a manufacturing capacity of about 300 gigawatts of solar manufacturing. One company Longi Solar has a a manufacturing capacity of 50 gigawatts. And there's a reason for that. It's not our strength. There there is a bill being sponsored by John Ossoff, uh, the senator of of Georgia, called SEMA, the Solar Energy Manufacturing Act, trying to spur a U.S. manufacturing complex by offering incentives. I think we can do that simultaneously, we, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We need to both import Chinese solar panels while we try to foster our own manufacturing hub. But we're so far behind. We've lost such a lead to China in terms of scale. I don't like the idea of surrender, the white flag you've mentioned, but we have to accept that the United States does not do well building commodities or near commodities, and solar modules are a commodity. How far could this Oxen petition go, and what would a ruling in their favor mean for domestic solar growth? Commerce Department is a bit of a star chamber, and a black box is hard to know the, the deliberations that go on within that black box Here's a, a newsflash. The United States is not the only game in town when it comes to the solar industry. We are only maybe 10% of the global industry. So China has plenty of other customers to sell solar to. They will view this as a bump in the road and use their own production and sell it to other countries. So tariffs might have worked in a 19th century world when we weren't so globalized, but they don't work in a 21st century world. Eric Westhoff is the editorial director of Canary Media. People of a certain age all remember where they were when JFK got assassinated. By the way, that's my one of my first memories, but that's really aging me. But I absolutely remember the moment that uh, Solar World made their claim. The Carbon Copy is a co-production of Postscript Media and Canary Media. Our producers on this show are Jamie Kaiser and Alexandria Herr. Ann Bailey is our editor. Sean Marquand is our engineer. Original music came from Echo Finch and Blue Dot Sessions. Postscript Media is supported by Prelude Ventures. Prelude is a venture capital firm that partners with entrepreneurs to address climate change across a range of sectors. That includes advanced energy, food and agriculture, transportation and logistics, advanced materials and manufacturing, and advanced computing. Give us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. We have heard from so many of you that you're still finding these shows. If you've listened to The Energy Gang or The Interchange, if you have followed us, and you have friends or colleagues who might not know about these shows, spread the word. Send us your thoughts on social media as well, and we appreciate your support. I'm Stephen Lacey. This is The Carbon Copy. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>